Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Hold on, Mary Jane! We are sex Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? You guys want to go see a dead body? I know Kung Fu. Do it. Get away from her, you bitch! What's in the fucking box? Hold on to your butts. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Parth, hello. Hey Trent, how you doing? You look you look shirtless. I was shirtless, and then I was like, I shouldn't be shirtless on the show. And then I put on. I was thinking, do I have a themed shirt? And so the closest I could get was my Pulp Fiction shirt. So I put that on. And then, um, as we were just talking about off the air, we had to turn off the fan and the window unit AC in order to record. And so me wearing a shirt was not a sustainable thing. So no, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for having to look at me. I'm sorry for the listeners at home for not being able to see, but just visualize it in your head. It's like me, but yeah, really try to picture me subtracted Trent. the shirt. Yeah, but part, but, but part I'm really interested part, in what you're you're wearing a shirt putting in your body. Yeah, I am. I yeah, am. in your usual fashion. Well, I, we've talked a lot about us both being shirtless, but it, it's usually just. One at a time. But Trent, what have you been eating? I'm just wondering. Yeah. um, The reason that we started late, there's always a reason that we start between five and 15 minutes late. And maybe I'm being generous. But this time the reason was because we got Taqueria and I was shoving it in my mouth, both so I could eat it and digest it, but also so I could talk about it with you here on the show. Our show, Craft Services, the podcast. And what have you been eating? Where we talk about the movies. My mom made each week. My mom made. Well, hey, okay, don't <laughs> don't step on my intro. Um, my mom made palak paneer, which is same thing as sog paneer. If anybody's had that, um, which is like spinach and paneer, which is like, I guess like cheese. Yeah, I don't know much about. Have you had it? Yeah, I was just gonna say, is that one of the Trader Joe's frozen food options? I feel like I've seen those. It, words. it probably is. Um, all of those are pretty banging. I yeah. I've seen and friend of the show Jackson Clark is a fan, I believe. Got to get the garlic naan too. But I I've also seen a post about how Trader Joe's like is appropriating um, Indian culture and uh, and they remove the spice and so that anyone's who's actually from that region who ate that food would be like this is spiceless and tasteless. Thoughts? What was the cultural appropriation of it all? I don't like know. that they were selling Indian food. Yeah, but the, essentially that they were doing a bad job at it and taking away the pizzazz, and then just giving us a white people version. Um, but isn't that like every restaurant? Like, I mean, I guess I agree that that's probably like silly, and they <laughs> probably shouldn't do that. But I don't know if that's. Re- I mean, I guess that's cultural appropriation in a sense, but. But also, I have no take. I don't really care. No, if they want to sell shitty Indian food. And if people want to eat shitty Indian food, so be it. But Not if you want problem. if you want good Indian food, you got to go over to Parth's mom's house Thursday yeah. Thursday night August fourth around what time? 
Yeah, you have to time travel. Uh, right now, it's 9.35 p.m. as we record, but as of eating, it was 7.30. So you're going to need to get in your time machine. First, you're going to need to invent a time machine, and then you're going to get in the time machine and then travel back in time. Or, I mean, or not. Or go to a future time um, where it's served no, again. No, a, a, a more previous time where Jackson Clark and his very good friend and our friend off the show, uh, Ellie Gualberto, um, came over with friend of the show, Sophia Alexis, and we all, my mom cooked for us all, and it was pretty magical. So you could go to that time too, but I don't remember the date, but I think it was before winter. It, it was winter break 2021. So just like try to land anytime around there, ask a few people what's going on at Parts House, and you'll probably find it. Well, there you have it. You want to talk about? Yeah, Trent had no idea what to do with that, but um, let's good, let's good, let's just cue the intro. Good no? luck. And no, best of luck to whoever invents time travel. You know. No. Wait, remember when if Mark Wahlberg had time travel, he would stop nine eleven. Cue the intro. But didn't he say that? Yeah, no, he did. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Wahlberg had an interview with Men's Journal and he said something that was extremely douchey. He was asked about the 9-11 attacks on the country and this was his response. He says, if I was on that plane with my kids, it wouldn't have went down like it did. There would have been a lot of blood in the first class cabin and then me saying, okay, we're going to land somewhere safely. Don't worry. Wait, there's a Family Guy episode where Brian stops 9-11 in Stewie's time machine and the world gets really, really bad for whatever reason. This major breaking news just in. Nine southern states have declared that they are seceding from the United States. The announcement came from former President George W. Bush, who reformed the Confederacy after a bitter loss in his 2004 re-election bid. Bush lost in 2004? Yeah, he probably couldn't exploit people's fears with no 9-11. Bush appeared before the press today to make this brief statement. If anyone out there can get their hands on a clown suitcase, I'd very much like to see what's inside of there. I think we have the wrong clip. What? No? It, this, uh, okay, that was George W. Bush declaring civil war on the northern states. Oh my god, civil war? See, Brian, this is exactly what I was talking about. That's tasteful. <laughs> um, welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully we have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on. Trent? the picture each week we interview we uh talk about a film and uh interview someone who worked on that film and last week who'd we talk with well for the last two weeks we talked with andrew s eisen associate editor of the movie we're discussing today and was it a banging a banging two-part extravaganza fun fest? it was banging it was shmangin and let me say trent it was hangin yeah. It's a pretty awesome interview. It's two parts, so you know there's some good stuff. Just too good to release in one episode. Um and yeah, I I think you guys are really gonna like it. So or maybe you already did, considering we've already released these episodes. Yeah, maybe you like them already. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean that'd be excellent. Um But if you don't like them but, yet, maybe you will. Wait, you should travel back in time to when the episodes came out and they, they should listen to them a lot of this episode is really relying on our audience 
knowing, understanding, and being able to time travel. Um, just thought that's just thought that was interesting. Um, but but let's time. We're not here to time travel. No, no, we are. Let's time travel back to the wild, wild west. Um, like not exactly. Ah, I see. I see what you're doing. But to post. We should time post- travel right, right after the Civil War. Yes. Yeah. No? Yes. Post Civil War. Uh, let me try to get. I know the Civil War like started 1865. So after that, they, there's probably a title card. It's probably got a year on it. Oh, in the year 1870. There, there you have it. But it's post Lincoln assassination. Pop pop. <laughs> Um, we should get John Wilkes Booth on the pod. Oh, really? You think so? Do you think he would take our calls? Um, or any like descendant of him? Uh, maybe they haven't killed anyone, or maybe they have. But either way, let's get let's get him on the show. Um, Trent, whose turn is it to do ten word synopsis? Let's say it's yours. No, I'm not annoyed. I'm just I'm trying to think. Group stuck in house. Minnie's haberdashery. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Let me let me reason. Group stuck in haberdashery. There you have it. Um. Wondering who is the bad guy. No spoilers. Like it's more bad guys. Or... Well, yeah. Maybe I'll do like bad guy with in parentheses S in the end. Who all's in the Jody Domingue gang? And I'm only I'm only saying that because I'm impressed with myself for remembering. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. Um, but the actual synopsis is in the dead of a Wyoming winter, a bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. So, pretty close to what I said. Trent, you want to give me box office budget? Yes, I do. But not in that order. Um, no, I'll give you the budget, which is a range of between 44 and $62 million, which somehow seems low. Uh, I love I love Quentin Tarantino. Um, but the box office is 156.5 million, and I don't know anything, um, but that seems like on the low side for our boy Quentin. Should we look up what his highest grossing movies are? His highest grossing movie is Django Unchained. Yeah, Django Unchained, and then Once Upon a Time, and then in third place... Inglorious Bastards, then Pulp Fiction, then Kill Bill. Hateful Eight is at number six. Yeah, it, it was considered, like, okay. It was kind of a dis- little bit disappointing on the box office front. But that's um, okay, because uh, QT doesn't miss. Not really. Sometimes he shoots it off to the side, or he just hits it a little bit, but he always hits something. Should I go into the production history? Yes, I, 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 to be transparent with the audience, I told Parth that I was gonna make it my mission to write a pros and cons column about the movie during this while he speaks for the next few minutes. So, uh, go for it. 
All right. So I'm going to try to say this to get in a way in which I can give Trent enough time to get his pro and con list ready. In November 2013, writer-director Quentin Tarantino said he was working on another Western. Trent, does this pace okay for you? You have so many paragraphs to read. I think you've bought your, you've bought me enough time. I'd All say right. I'd say Hit. normal speed. He initially attempted the story as a novel, a sequel to his film Django Unchained, titled Django in White Hell. He soon realized that the Django character did not fit in the story and changed the story as such. On January 12, 2014, the title was announced as The Hateful Eight. The film was inspired by the 1960s Western TV series Bonanza, The Virginian, and High Chaparral? Chaparral? No idea. Tarantino said, quote, Twice per season, those shows would have an episode where a bunch of outlaws would take the lead characters hostage. They would come to the Ponderosa and hold everybody hostage or go to Judge Garth's place, Lee Cobb Platum, in the Virginian and take hostages. There would be a guest star like David Carradine, Darren McGavin, Claude Atkins, Robert Culp, Charles Bronson, or James Coburn. I don't like that storyline in a modern context, but I love it in a Western where you would where you would pass halfway through the show to find out if they were good or bad guys, and they all had a past that was revealed. I thought, quote, what if I did a movie starring nothing but those characters? No heroes, no Michael Landons. Just a bunch of nefarious guys in a room, all telling stories that may or may not be true. Trap those guys together in a room with a blizzard out with a blizzard outside, give them guns, and see what happens. The Hateful Eight live reading happened at the Ace Hotel in Los Angeles as part of the LA cma's live read series on april 19 2014 production was supposed to begin in mid 2014 but after the script leaked online in january 2014 tarantino considered publishing it as a novel instead he's also stated that he considered never doing the movie because he was so disheartened by that experience he said he'd given the script to a few trusted colleagues including reginald hudland michael madsen bruce dern and tim roth this version of the script featured a different ending in which Warren and Mannix attempted to kill Gage in revenge by forcing him to drink the poison coffee, sparking a firefight in which every character is killed. On September 23rd, 2014, it was revealed that Vigo Mortensen was in discussion with Tarantino for a role in the film. On October 9th, 2014, Jennifer Jason Lee was added to the cast to play Daisy Domergue. And on, and on November 5th, 2014, Samuel L. Jackson, Jennifer Jason Lee, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, Demian Bitcher, sorry, Walton Goggins, Michael Madsen, uh, Bruce Dern, and Channing Tatum were all confirmed to be in the film. Later, January 23rd, 2015, the Weinstein Company announced an ensemble of cast of supporting members, including James Parks, Dana Gurrier, Zoe Bell, Gene Jones, Keith Jefferson, Lee Horsley, Craig Stark, and Belinda Owino. Belinda Owino nice a 900 acre ranch was leased to the production for the filming there was a meeting on october 16th and the and the county's planning commission issued a permit for the construction of a temporary set principal photography began on december 8th 2014 in colorado on schmidt ranch near telluride special makeup effects of the film were created by greg nicotero known for his work on the amc television series the walking dead the guitar destroyed by Russell's character was not a prop, but an antique 1870s Martin guitar led by the Martin Guitar Museum. The guitar, the guitar was supposed to be switched with a copy that was going to be destroyed, 
but this wasn't told to Kurt Russell. Everyone on set was freaked out at the guitar's destruction, and Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee's reaction was genuine. Museum director Dick Boak, interesting name, hey, said the museum was not told the script included a scene that called for the guitar being smashed and determined that it was irreparable. The insurance, re- re- the insurance paid for the purchase value of the guitar, but the museum no longer lends props to film production. So thank you, Tarantino, for that. Now day and night the iron clanging like forgotten sleeps Toil and toil and when we die must fill this honored graves By and by I'll break my chains into the bush I'll go And you'll be dead behind me John when I get Music time's over. Cinematographer Robert Richardson, who had also worked with Tarantino on Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards and Django Unchained, filmed The Hateful Eight on 65mm film using three modern 65mm camera models, the Ariflex 765 and the Studio 65 and the 65H and the 65HS from Panavision. Until the release of Dunkirk two years later, it was the widest release in 70mm film since Ron Howard's Far and Away, starring our boy Tom Cruise, in 1992. Tarantino edited two versions of the film, one as a roadshow version and one for general release. He created two versions as he thought that some footage he shot for 70mm would not play well on smaller screens. The British Board of Film Classification examined its runtime difference between the Roadshow and the DCP releases and said that the difference was 19 minutes. The film was released on December 25th as a Roadshow presentation in 70mm film format theaters and was wide released on December 30th, 2015. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Lee, Best Cinematography for Robert Richardson, and Best Original Score for Ennio Morricone at the Academy Awards and only brought home best original score. So you want some fun facts? Yeah, I'd love some fun facts. Speaking of, uh, Morricone's score is partially made up of unused scores for The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. At one point, Joe Gage, Michael Madsen says, a bastard's work is never done, which was the tagline on the poster for Inglorious Bastards. This was the first time Samuel Jackson received top billing in a Tarantino movie. At times, the cast... They'd worked on six films prior to this. Yeah, I guess he's always been... Or five films. This was the sixth film. It's usually an ensemble. Um, at times, the cast and crew worked in a refrigerated set in which the temperature was 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, in the original script, the character Bob was supposed to be a Frenchman, not a Mexican. Um, all of the main events in the film take place in less than one day. I like I like the ending that it ends with more than the other ending that you suggested. Like, uh, when the hangman catches you, like, you hang, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I like the... I guess we could talk about it, but um, I like the version... The ending we see in the movie, but I think it would definitely... I almost wish that we had, like... This was, like, Clue, where it had mm. three different 
versions that we could watch. When you just like rent Clue, does it play all of the versions like in sequence? Yeah, it shows it shows the first ending. Then it says, and this is how, or this is how it could have happened. And then it says, but this is actually how it happened. And it, so it says, the... so it's just three different options. Yeah. Okay. So Parth, when the handbill says dead or alive, like the rest of us just shoot you uh, in the back from up on a perch somewhere and brings you in dead over a saddle. But when John Ruth, the hangman, catches you, you don't die by no bullet in the back. When the hangman catches you, you hang. You really that you really impressed me with how that came off off the top of your head. Memorized. Are you? Yeah. Um, Trent, it's your pride and joy, your baby of this show. One star review time. That's my baby. That's my the baby. One star review section. So this first section. one's by um, Harry USMC, which I guess is Harry United States Marine Corps. Um, this was titled "All Seem Full." All seem full of real action. Like those are all words that I understand, but I'm not exactly sure what they mean in this order. But it says been out for a while. Not all it was hyped up to be felt betrayed by previews. Whatever that means. That was just about... Um, and they did three different ellipses in this one sentence that could have just gone on with one period at the end of it all. Yeah. So this next one is from Tina Rush. It says, DVD didn't play. Not worth the time because my movie didn't play at all from straight out of the package. So I'm sorry, Tina. But um, maybe you should try getting a Blu-ray. Be a man, you know, or a woman. Just be, just or be a woman. A, just be a Blu-ray owner. Be what? Be who you want to be. But, but have really, a you should be aspiring to be me. And, and have, I would get a Blu-ray. and have a Blu-ray player and a big t- yeah. and a and a big Blu-ray, Blu-ray compatible TV. Uh, so this last one is from Roy M. Roy seems like a fake name, but it's titled Garbage, and it says. I, I think he's trying to say worst movie, I, but it starts off with war movie. I have ever seen ejected it. Okay, so I'm just going to read this as it's written. Do you see why I put this in? I do. Worst movie I ever seen ejected it from Blu-ray player halfway through movie and threw it in trash. What a waste of $5. Samuel Jackson has a man sucking him off. It seems like and this- it's worth noting that Blu-ray is spelled B-L-U-E space Ray. And Samuel Samuel is spelt S A M U A L. So just putting that off out there. So there are a couple things here. Apparently, he got the Blu-ray for five dollars, which seems like a deal. And do you think he actually physically threw it in the trash? Maybe that's why it's titled garbage. He like took hmm. he took that criticism so literally. Um, and it also seems like maybe he's just homophobic because I'll watch any movie with Samuel Jackson's has someone that where someone sucks off Samuel Jackson. That's just filmmaking. Uh, yeah, I mean that doesn't that that's not enough stop of a red flag from liking for me. the movie. No. No. Quite it's quite, not it's it's if anything it's a green flag. I was going to say quite the opposite there I say. Um yeah, I don't know what Roy M is going about. But um Part, it's nothing good. Like picker like picture your boy like with like Samuel Jackson's like big black pecker in his mouth. Like, would you? Would you? Okay. Are, are you gonna shoot? Okay. Well, I'm not Bruce Dern, so no, I wouldn't. Oh, um, is that that actor's name? Yeah. Good for and you. And he also plays the um, blind guy in 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, you're right. I would have just thought that that's an old, old white guy. But he has a name and everything. Well, it's also an old white guy. But, yeah. Are we all just old white um, guys? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Give it give it some time, Parth. Just you wait. You're right. Well, every, every time I go into the shower, it's just shedding one more layer off until one day I'll be just as white as you. Um, this is in reference to my brown skin to anybody that's just Who's never joining the show before. and doesn't know He's, what I look like. He has brown skin. Yeah, Can, no, I'm brown. I have white but, skin. Um, we, we, not that, for long. Not for long? I'm t- it's every time I go in the shower, it uh, another layer peels off. For, whoa. Friend of the show, Drone Sickboo, is delivering a tall glass of icy water. With four ice cubes in the thick of one star reviews. That's podcasting. Thank you. What a good person. What's going on here? How's it going, man? How are you? What's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on here? Put that down. What's going on here? What are you doing? What are you doing? Can you not talk to me? Just for just for the... What are you doing? Hey, don't do that. Don't do that again. Go. Oh, what? Hit me. Go. No, go. Go for it. Go for it. No, 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 go, 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 go. Go for it. No, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Go. Hit me. Go. You started it. Oh, I'm starting it? Yeah. Are you? Oh, you. So you know she's not just a guy from around here. You're go, actually go, a paparazzi go, 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 guy? Go. Nah, I can't do it. Yeah, you know you can mm. do it. Yeah, because you're filming. Yeah. But if that was off, I'd be whooping your ass up and down this street. Yeah, go. Yeah. But Trent, I think it's time to discuss the movie, no? Yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm. That, you see what I did there? That's also no, a that, movie. But also, that was pretty cool. It, it's like what we're going to talk about. Also, listeners, if if you didn't notice anything, you should just know that that's because I'm very smooth with getting us into the discussion, and Trent is very smooth with the editing because we had a little mishap just now where... Um, it stopped recording us uh, by accident, and so Trent has had to seamlessly edit these two interview recordings or discussion recordings together into technical, one episode. Technical difficulty is is what makes podcasting so exciting. You know, that's what the fans yeah. want. They like no. I, 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 it's easily the... one of my favorite parts of podcasting is behind, when things are technically difficult you know behind the scenes footage it's like looking behind the curtain like the wizard of oz you know that's also yeah a and it was very satisfying once they looked behind the curtain in the wizard of oz so you should look at it like that um, but if it wasn't smooth you can either blame parts ability to talk or my ability to edit and both of those things are frequently in question okay um <laughs> All right, Trent, what's working? What's not working? Okay, do you mind if I read for my pros and cons column? Mm, I'd rather you didn't. Can you go freehand, actually? I know you put all this time and energy and effort into making this pro-con list, but I think I'd kind of just prefer if you just went off the top of your head. Okay, um, <clears throat> so going in no particular order, um, this isn't anything I wrote down in the notes section. This is just off the top. Um, the cast, um, 
QT Ensemble, but most notably Samuel Jackson, Jennifer Jason Lee, Kurt Russell. You know? I mean, that's not really an opinion. You it's just like th- you just named you just named the people the three in the movie. main cast members, and said that it's an ensemble cast. But like, they're also like all bangers. That that, that I can agree with. Um, put good actors in fun cowboy outfits and give them all guns, like QT said, and good things will happen. Conflict yeah. breeds plot. I said uh, a genuinely good whodunit, which like you don't get that often nowadays um like i like it when i go to the movies and there's like a mystery element i like wondering what's gonna happen and then watching what happens unfold um i like qt's classic uh asynchronous treatment of time because you see stuff that happens after and then you go back to before and it's satisfying to see how things became the way they were for our characters um yeah what are your good things yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all the points that you make. Um, I really, obviously from a production standpoint, um, it's a Tarantino movie. His movies have only gotten better from that viewpoint. Um, it's obviously shot really beautifully. Some people don't like how wide it is. I think it's one of the best things about the movie. Um, I think, again, Robert Richardson. I think Tarantino with Robert Richardson and Nolan with Hoyta Van Hoytma um, are the only big players left in Hollywood that don't do digital color grades for their films. And as much as I like a digital color grade, it is nice to see a standard photochemical uh, grade. Um, uh, It just makes it look more natural to me. And I think that's something that this movie excels at um i think i I, this is a movie that i it's like weird for me to talk about because i there's so much of it that i love and there's so much of it that i think we don't need this and i think most of that falls in in the first like half yeah no Um, I, i i think as the movie goes on it only gets tighter and more engaging yeah I mean, and that's a problem that can be lodged at a lot of Tarantino projects that they're kind of self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, with... Or they're like wandering and then eventful and then over. Yeah, that's like, but that, that's like but wandering, wandering, wandering is not necessarily the problem. The problem is how long you stay in the scenes themselves. And for me, that's the problem with the hateful eight is that if you're not invest if if the first hour you cannot get through that you miss what's really great about the last hour and a half which is as soon as they start doing the story with um as who was it roy m didn't like or yeah roy m didn't like um where uh, spoiler alert uh samuel l jackson apparently get sucked off um as soon as that story starts i think the movie starts getting more interesting because it's actually moving story-wise up until that point i think the movie has a problem where it's trying to have 
again, Tarantino writes good dialogue, but it kind of, it just keeps going and keeps going in a way that I don't feel the need. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, I think, a longer movie, but. Oh, no way. Really? uh, This is 241. And uh, I think. This is two. uh, Once Upon a Time is 240. Yeah, and. This is two forty one, the theatrical cut. Mm. So it, they're about the same length. But once upon a time in Hollywood never for me slows down or mm. or feels like what I'm watching is not the correct sort of length for what this scene should be. Whereas I feel like there's so much talking about getting onto the stagecoach and then getting off of the stagecoach. And then talking about the Lincoln letter and then Daisy Domergue getting punched out of the stagecoach. I mean, all of that stuff, it takes so long to do. And the amount of information and character that's being delivered is not equivalent to the runtime of those scenes, in my opinion. Because it's broken into like five or six chapters. I think it's five chapters. And the first two are like before they even get there. Yeah. And, and nothing happens in those chapters, which is weird because... I, if that was a consistency throughout the entire film, it would at least make sense. But the latter three chapters are so dense with like material and plot. There were two distinct moments where I, I was like, okay, people complain that this movie is too long. Let me try to find if that's true. And there were two times where I thought this, why is, why is this in the movie? And do you, do you have any immediate ones, or do you just want me to say mine? Um, say yours, and then I'll say mine. Um, the scene where they're hammering in, like, the post. That, that's one of in, mine. In between the bathroom and the main house, and I'm like, okay, like, this isn't referenced later. Um, and then the other one is just as the hangman, John Ruth, was going around introducing himself to everyone. He was, like, talking to Joe Gage. And he gave like his whole spiel again. And it's like, I know that Joe Gage doesn't know that, but I, the audience, have heard it like three times because he keeps introducing himself to new characters and giving his whole spiel. And I thought we could trim a few uh, minutes off this puppy. Yeah. I also think that, like, and I hate to say it because I think she's very good in the movie, but JJL. A lot of the Daisy Domergue stuff, like, it's not like I'm like confused sometimes what he's trying to go for because if it's supposed to be actually funny it's not that funny to me and it feels like a lot of her like scenes of her like yelling or like cackling like go on I don't know how to explain it other than it it just feels like he's like reveling in those scenes in a way that isn't revealing anything the way it does in his other movies like in once upon a time in hollywood people criticize the fight scene with bruce lee and there's some merit on both sides about you know however but at least that sequence is revealing something but a lot of times he has sequences that sort of continue on and they're not really revealing anything new about characters like they reveal that kurt russell's mean or daisy domergue's like crazy you know i don't know um but and not to spend so much time harping on the movie once you get to the scene where samuel L. jackson is 
you know, having a good time out in the west. Um, <laughs> Just out in the west, having a good time. I don't know where he is. Um, once you get to that, then I think the movie kind of almost takes on a new life. And it kind of... This is like the most plot-driven movie of his kind of would you agree where like the plot is sort of carefully uh uh orchestrated i like i don't know how to like i guess the only other one would maybe be glorious bastards and because the plan at the end with that but even that i don't feel is so uh, meticulously like with the door and you know what i mean like like, Inglourious Bastards is a big story, so that came to mind. And then Pulp Fiction, it's, like, nice how the pieces fit together, but also the pieces kind of, like, kind of happen. But it's not, that's not a together. plot. That's not, like, you, you know, like... No, it's the most plotting, where, like, the each thing that happens actually, like, affects the next thing that happens. And that all of the things happen in sequence. Except for... Quentin's gonna mess around that sequence. Gonna give you some, 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 them out of order. You know. About 15 minutes has passed since we last left our characters. Joe Gage volunteered to take Smithers' dead body outside. Straws were drawn to see who'd help him. Obi lost. Chris, John Ruth, and Oswaldo had a vigorous debate about the legality of the self-defense murder that just transpired. Major Marquis Warren, who was supremely competent about the legality of what just transpired, ignored them, sat at the table by himself, and drank brandy. Captain Chris Mannix donned the dead general's coat and joined Oswaldo in lighting the candles and lanterns. Hey, Ozzy! Now you got the right idea. Let's light this place up. John Ruth held the door closed, waiting for Joe Gage and OB to return. Bob enjoyed a manzana roja. Domergu, however, hasn't moved from her spot at the community dinner table since John Ruth uncuffed her. John Ruth. Yeah. Can I play that guitar over there? Let's go back a bit. Yo, boy. Black dude's dingus in his mouth. Fifteen minutes ago, Major Warren shot General Smithers in front of everybody. But about 40 seconds before that, something equally as important happened, but not everybody saw it. While Major Warren was captivating the crowd with tales of black dicks and white mouths, somebody poisoned the coffee. He did everything I asked. No blanket. And the only one to see him do it was Domrigo. Do you like it when he does his voiceover narration at the beginning of chapter four? I love hearing his voice. No comment. Really? Well, I well, I, I don't have a problem with it, I guess. I mean, I like when, because that's the thing he does of just like randomly, there will be voiceover in the movie when it's not been in the movie before. Yeah, but it's never been him. Usually it'll be like Kurt Russell or Samuel yeah. Jackson. It'll, yeah, it'll be one of those two. The reason for Hugo Stiglitz's celebrity among German soldiers is simple. As a German enlisted man, he killed 13. 
15 Gestapo officers. Instead of putting him up against the wall, the high command decided to send him back to Berlin to be made an example of. Needless to say, once the bastards heard about him, he never got there. Um, I'm fine with it. Um, Quentin Tarantino's a director that I'm like, I just know that he would be so obnoxious to be around and is an incredibly self-involved individual. But yeah. at the same time, I want to hang around him because I'm like, he's so knowledgeable about no, movies. But, like, he's seen the movies that you've seen, but, like, he, the movies that he wants to talk about are, like, obscure 70s TV movies that you've never heard from, heard of and probably have no interest in. And so listening to him talk about them would, would you really be holding on for dear life, I feel like. Yeah. He, he but, has a podcast uh, to, now, speaking of. I, I listened to the first episode. It's, should, we cha- should we challenge them to a duel? Yeah, so Roger Roger, Roger, Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino, if, if you're, you're listening, listening to this, which I know I, you are, let's be real. Yeah, QT, I know that you're happy that we're fine. A hundred episodes, and we're finally covering one of your movies. I oh yeah, I guess this is a moment. Can you play like a like applause or like a woo? Thank yeah. In the background, um, first first QT movie, um, first of maybe many to come. Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? Um, only got one more part. Enjoy while last. Yeah, that's true. Is is the podcast going to continue? until his last film that's the real question i mean his last movie was in 2019 i feel like it's usually like four or five or six years no like three or four or five years in between movies for him so that would be either 2023 or 2024 i guess in between hateful eight and once more time was four years but covid messes everything up so let's give him till 2023 or 2024 well 2024 would be four years in 2025 once upon a time was tw- 2024 would be five years once upon a time is 2019 yeah true that was a good year for movies remember that was nominated for best picture yeah, that was like one of the, the last yeah. good years for movies and now everything is garbage well hey top gun maverick came out this no, year it's so top gun maverick cinema is safe top gun maverick gonna be nominated for best picture time cruise gonna be nominated for best actor let's let's it won't happen but god damn it it should <laughs> But we're not here for Top Gun, much to my chagrin. We already covered that. You can go listen to that. It's really good. Um, Way too uh, do I hear that? Do I hear that in the background? Danger zone. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll play it. Wow. That was impressive. Um, anyways, uh, Hateful Eight, the movie we're here to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that something that Tarantino is very good at and has gotten increasingly good at is being able to create like a vibe about his movies. And I think this is one of the strongest ones in that category. This is also one of his most... This and like Kill Bill are kind of the most like movie, uh, 
like 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 almost classic, like lives in its own classic Hollywood filmmaking, like beginning, middle, and end, kind of. No, no, no. I mean, like you know how um, Wes Anderson movies, like you watch Rushmore, and that kind of takes place in the real world with like weird characters in it. Yeah, yeah. And then as his films progress, it's, it's less that. weird characters in weird worlds. Yeah, yeah. Like he's starting to create the world. I feel like for Quentin Tarantino. Pulp Fiction kind of feels kind of real world with weird characters in it. Same with Reservoir Dogs. Same with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he has some movies where it feels like he's constructing a whole world. And to me, even though it's supposed to take place in a real time in history, We're living in QT's this world. feels like he's... Yeah, it feels like this is like he's constructed this world for us. And the only other one I can think of, I haven't seen Jackie Brown and I haven't seen um, Death Proof. But the only one other one that kind of makes me feel that way is Kill Bill. Um, maybe, so I think he, he really excels at that. Maybe I'm misremembering it and I've only seen it once, but Jackie Brown, as far as I can remember, I was like, oh, this is like very straightforward. Like there was no like crazy time jumps or anything. Just like a story. Yeah. About people I've heard it's a very stuff. underrated movie of his. Like, people say it's, like, bad, and it's, like, not. Like, he, it's coming off the heels of Pulp Fiction, so people are going to be disappointed no matter what. So I've heard him say that he wanted to do something completely off to the side. Nice. Gotta catch him by surprise. But um, do you have any things that aren't working for you? I've, I've been the only harbinger of um, bad news. On the cons column, there is executive producer Harvey Weinstein. Um, oh, that That's a good con. <laughs> Um, and Bob Weinstein. I don't know. Is he like still producing movies? I don't think so. It's too bad all of the um, Miramax movies uh, from like the 90s and 2000s that are like tainted now just in the opening credits. It, and sometimes you'll be watching a movie that you had no idea. And then you, like, you'll, like, you'll get like, to the end credits. Like Goodwill Hunting or something? Well, with that one, I know it's a Weinstein Company movie, but like I'll I'll try to watch Spirited Away or something, and I'll see that it was distributed by the Weinstein Company, and I'll go, oh, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. too bad. I have a complaint, not a complaint, a con that I feel like is just a me problem. Okay, it's that the movie he does before this is Django Unchained, and I think that movie is better than this movie. But that has nothing to do with anything. And as you said, and as I learned, he originally wanted this to also involve the character of Django. Be a sequel. So yeah, be a sequel. Yeah. And it isn't that, but takes place in a very similar time period. And when you're a prolific auteur, dare I say, director, I feel like you're almost expected... It's like, if you do a Wild West movie, your next movie... Your next movie is going to take place in a drastically different time period. Um, like, And then the, the, then your next one will be the World War II or your, your space movie, your jungle movie, whatever. And it just feels weird looking at the arc of his career to have these two movies in a row. Um, I don't know that I think that I don't that's think, like a valid... No, I don't think it's a problem. I just think it's interesting. Um... But, I guess. I mean, it makes sense from the perspective of it like, wa- wanting to be a sequel and then not being. Yeah, and also 
I would say, I, I would say that this and Django feel very different from each other. Even though this started as a Django like sidequel or sequel, like because well, Django is like an action movie and this is a mystery like rope sort of thing who done it and it, it just it takes place in a v- drastically different setting it's what well, you know it's all in one setting that's that's the deal well it's mostly in one setting but um yeah and i i think that stylistically i mean the movie was all shot on one wide lens like it was all the same lens which he likes his crash zooms and all that, and none what of that is in lens? this. It's I don't remember, but it was the same lens that was used on "It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World," um, and they I, had to what the, refurbish them. I wonder what the measurement is. Probably pretty wide. It was it was very wide, um, and they they had to reconfigure it and everything. Um, but it's all shot on that one lens because he basically wanted. I don't know if I can remember where he said this. I, I can't. But um, he was basically like, why, pe- when people were asking him, why did you use like such a wide lens for like close-ups and also for like wide exterior shots? And he's like, well, why can't a shot be exploring the architecture of Samuel L. Jackson's face? Uh, which, you know, yeah. sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, you know how you said earlier about how this movie isn't color graded, or not digitally color graded. Oh wait, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. is it? What? Well, what's? Is it? What do you mean? What was your correction there? Well, I mean, it's it, there's still a process of color correcting it. Um, it's just before computer days, the way that they would do it is you would add a whole a hue of like magenta. Mm to the whole frame so if there is no like oh that's kind of in shadow in the corner let's brighten that spot up yeah yeah that's all digital color grading um there was always color timing and stuff like that but that's it's not the same thing do this do you ever like are you ever looking on instagram and it'll be like someone thinking that they're showing you how to color grade and it'll just be like a turtle and the turtle will just look like bland, but then they'll color grade it and it'll look like so overly vibrant. And you're like, that's looks nice on my eyeballs, but like I kind of don't care because you just showed me how fake it was. Sure. And I like that this isn't that. Yeah. This is the tur- yeah, I mean, I, the, I definitely, I like how turtle, naturalistic turtle all everything natural. looks. So, Parth, you don't, you don't seem to give a fuck about my comments. So you, so let's hear you give me, you give me some closing remarks, and then we'll hit the ratings. Gauntlet, Trent, I we'll care so much about your comments; they're just so insightful. Um, but I guess my closing thoughts are: I really, I enjoy this movie. Um, it's a pretty good movie that could be a great movie. That isn't because he just couldn't help himself for that first hour. And I think that that really brings the pace down, brings the story down. And I don't know. I, I'm i coming off pretty harsh on this movie. I think I'd rate it. I'd, I would recommend it. It is rewatchable. Just maybe just like, I don't know, like go make dinner during the first hour because you probably won't miss much. Um 
Where does this fall? Is this like bottom three? I have. I don't know wins? if I have the list ready. I would. De- I'm in the minority in that I don't care for Kill Bill Volume One, and I've never seen Kill Bill Volume Two. So this is below that for me. This is below. Or sorry, it's 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 a but it's As better than it's Kill Bill. Better than, or but worse it's definitely than Kill below Bill. Inglorious Bastards, yeah, Django I... Unchained, Once Upon a Time, Pulp Fiction, and Reservoir Dogs. The the yeah. S tier the S tier stuff. Yeah, and given that I've named status. five movies, I guess yeah, that this ma- is... and this is supposed to be the eighth movie. But he's made nine movies technically, because Kill Bill is one movie, I guess. So this is in the bottom three or four, yeah. I yeah. guess. Haven't seen Jackie Brown. And haven't seen death proof not to hark on this too much but when you put yourself in an interesting position when you make two movies with similar subject matter in a row and the first one is really really great and then the second one is just a little less good and then it's like oh that was really good not as good as the other one from that's very similar to this so if anyone's ever like i'm in a quentin tarantino western mood I feel like you're reaching for Django Unchained off yeah. the shelf. I know I would. The opening of Django Unchained is so much more yeah. exciting. I agree. Um. Oh yeah, I was gonna give this like a seven. I like it, but this would be like an eight to an eight point five if that hour was like half an hour. I don't think there's any reason this movie needs to be significantly longer than two hours i don't think there's enough story for it i think there's a a guilty pleasure he takes in making his movies really long and making us watch two men hammer in into the snow for like 20 minutes (laughs) like i think that it would not be an over exaggeration to say that that's like a three minute long I don't know what the exact thing is, but it feels like five minutes long of just people hammering it in. Anyways, what about you? Wait, we didn't play the sound effect, did no, we? No, we didn't. We didn't say the word gauntlet. Okay, Trent, I want you to do the whole the the sound effect, but I want because we've already entered it, play it like really fast, like like speed it up. The sound. Okay, the sound welcome effect. to. still gonna give our ratings and recommendations but i already have yeah. so actually i'm not yes i recommend it it's really good um rewatchable yes i because i watched it also for our interview with the editor the associate editor um and that was only a few weeks ago and it still hits i'm gonna give it like a 7.5 because it's really good, but it's not in that upper esh- ep- 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 echelon, echelon of his movies. That's all. My body is hot. The the air- yes, part- no, is. not in that way. The air is thick. Oh, no, my bad. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we did the movie. Sorry about this episode. This is this. We're, we recognize that this is maybe not one of our better ones, but guys, we pushed through for you. Well, Um, It was either release the episode on time and we're really tired and delirious and unopinionated or we're in a better state of mind and we release it a week late. 
guys, we're content creators, and we're gonna push out that content. Um, it draws. It, it's, Trent, we're can, it draws we're the, after this, right? It, yeah, we're we're doing the Jaws miniseries with a special guest, hopefully. Yep. Um, hopefully, we're recording that soon, so you will have that to listen to next week. And you can listen to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Pandora, wherever you freaks listen to this podcast. It is there. Um, please tell your friends about us. It helps. And maybe give us a good review on Apple Music and give us a good rating on Spotify. And again, all those podcasting apps that we are on. We are on Instagram and Twitter. Go follow us there. We post updates. We do fun little things. And I think that's it. Join us for Jaws Summer starting next week. Trent, the summer's ending, but the sh- but the shark but it but the sharks, they're com- they're are only no, beginning. The, the four 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 weeks of sharks. Jaws Jaws one, Jaws two, Jaws three, Jaws, Jaws guys, four. Guys, I think guys, Trent is operating Trent is about operating to pass on a very out. low 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 level. Goodbye. Bye. That little lady. Why they call him the hang? When the handbill says dead or alive, the rest of us shoot you in the back up on top of a perch somewhere and bring you in dead over a saddle. But when John Roof the hangman catches you, you don't have no bullet in the back. Mm-hmm. When the hangman catches you, you hang.